Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Liam and Kyle's weekly NFL picks. Uh, yeah, things have not gone so great for us this year. Uh, a little bit of a slump, you know, two bad weeks in a row here. We went six and nine. It's not great. We're not going to lie to you. It's, uh, it's not great. But you know what Bill Belichick always says? That you don't really know what team you have until November. September is for, you know, seeing what works and what doesn't. October's for working on the things that work, and November's for perfecting it. Then you hit your stride in December. I anticipate us following a similar path with our weekly picks. Kyle, how are we feeling after another subpar week? Sounds like some high-grade BS right there, and I am all for it because we're in the spin zone right here, and there's no place to hide. 10 games under 500, not great. I'm not seeing the ball well. And I don't know if anybody is the NFL is going to NFL and it's the stupidest commentary out there, but it's really true. Every week we look at these lines and I thought that like doing them early would give us the advantage because we did so well last year. That's just turning out to not be the case. What I've noticed through four weeks of the NFL is everybody is two and two or one and three or three and one. Everybody is still in the mix it seems like we've never seen this level of parity before. I think a big part of it can be attributed to the lack of preseason or at least attention to detail in preseason where teams are kind of working out the kinks right now and we are forced to just take our lumps. But you want to know what? I'm confident all it takes is like a three-week run and we're back to business and I'm going to make it my goal. I've really poured over the stats and the figures and the numbers here and I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I want to do. I learned that from George Costanza. So let's go. Let's have a big week. I want double-digit wins. I'm feeling good about our uh, about the possibility there. I think, like you said, the first couple of weeks, a little complicated. 
the Eagles are the one exception to your little speech being 4-0 and all that good stuff, but we'll talk about them later, I assume. This week's slate doesn't seem to be uh, that tricky, I'll be honest with you. Seems like it's, uh, you know, from what we can tell, there's a lot of pretty standard run-of-the-mill good team versus bad team action, and then the middling teams facing off against each other. I think the lines are fair and generous, and I'm looking forward to capitalizing and getting us back on the right track. My third best bet of the week comes in the form of the Minnesota Vikings, dare I say it. They are seven-point favorites against the Bears, and I simply think that is going to be an easy cover for Kirk Cousins and co. The Bears are not a good team. Nobody has any illusions about that. They have nothing resembling an offensive line. Their rushing attack has been surprisingly effective, but that only gets you so far. Cooper Cup currently has more receptions on the year than the entirety of the Bears receiving room combined. Say what you might about the Vikings offense. It's pretty explosive. It's electric. And I think the most important point to make here is that this is a 1 p.m. game in Minnesota. The primetime lights are very far away. They're back home after a week in London. Kirk Cousins thrives in these early afternoon Minnesota games. Overall, this is more about how down I am on the Bears than how high I am on the Vikings. And the Vikings do tend to take care of business against Chicago, if not anybody else. I think that this will be an easy win. And while that's a lot of points to take, I'm as certain as I can be that the Vikings are going to win by at least a touchdown, so I like the number. For all the crap that Kirk Cousins gets, he's not Justin Fields. And he's playing quarterback, which involves throwing the football down the field through the air. You know who's not doing that? The Chicago Bears. These passing numbers are anemic. They have two wins on the season. They could just as easily be 0-4. They won a game in the rain, and they won a game against the Texans where Davis Mills threw a bad pick to gift them a victory. Couldn't be more down on the Bears. I think that they stink out loud. I think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm starting to believe in the Vikings. I know that they almost gave the game away in London, but that's kind of what happens. You want to give the folks across the pond a show. You want to you know, present the product, that double doink that was a, a gift to humanity. That's, you know, it's the same in any language. It's the same on any continent. It goes boop, 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 makes a funny noise. People love it. Justin Jefferson is uncoverable. I just can't imagine a situation where the Bears explode for a lot of points. If they are going to keep this game close, they're going to have to stifle that Vikings offense. And it's not like they've been world beaters on defense. Chicago has. They played some bad sides and they played in some adverse conditions. You want to know where conditions are amazing? U.S. Bank Field. What a structure. The lighting is wonderful. I saw the final four there. Just an immaculate building. The ball is going to be zipping all over that artificial turf. Am I back on the Vikings as the best team in the NFC? No. No, and I won't be back on the Vikings as the best team in the NFC if they do dispatch the Bears in easy fashion. But I'm not closing the door completely on that take. I still have it bouncing around a little bit. I think that Cousins is a top 10 quarterback in the league. And I think that people don't want to admit it. And that's enough. That's enough. When you have those skill position players and you're making the plays on the defense, I trust them. I don't trust the Bears. It's that easy. Another team I trust despite a couple 
bad home losses is my third best pick of the week, the Baltimore Ravens. I can't quit them. I love them. I love the Ravens. I'll say it now. I'll say it forever. I think that they're a damn good team. And you know what's more? I'll go a step further. I think John Harbaugh made the right decision going forward on fourth down. I really do. Now, the worst thing that possibly could have happened happened in throwing an interception in the end zone that gifted Buffalo 17 yards of field position, and then they melted the clock, kicked the game-winning field goal. It's a loss that's going to haunt Baltimore, much like the Miami loss is going to haunt them when we come for the seeding at the end of all this in the AFC. But Lamar Jackson is still awesome, and Lamar Jackson can play with anyone. And I think that Cincinnati got right with that victory over Miami. They got right by the skin of their teeth. That was a one-point game in the fourth quarter. They were trailing. Tua gets knocked out of the game. That offensive line still has problems. Yes, the receiving core is really good. I think we're at a situation right now where you give me Lamar Jackson or you give me Joe Burrow and you put them in a big game, but you put them behind those lines, I'm taking Baltimore and I'm taking them every time. The fact that they're only a three-point favorite really helps. That's a field goal. You win by a field goal. You go like this with your hands and you say, you know what? That game never happened. Like you looked at the light in men in black. I am going to be on Baltimore for the rest of the year because I think that they're honestly being undervalued. I think that there should be a hook to this game. I think it should be four. I don't trust Cincinnati to go on the road and take care of business. I think that they just beat a team in Miami last Thursday that was coming off playing a game on the surface of the sun and hadn't properly hydrated because there's not enough Pedialyte in the world to do that. And I think they come back to reality and the Ravens take care of business put another 35 points on the board and Lamar Jackson continues. What's going to be a come from behind MVP season. I completely agree. This line feels like a reflection of the generally poor public opinion of the Ravens defense, but their loss against Buffalo last week wasn't just on the defense. It was on the offense too. The Buffalo was missing most of their secondary, except their all pro safety Jordan Poyer, but say what you will, the bills run defense is fierce. They got a lot of big bodies up front. The Bengals, just lost their biggest body. DJ Reader hit the IR. That guy has been the low-key defensive MVP of the Cincinnati Bengals for the last year and a half. He was a large part of the reason that they were able to make it all the way to the Super Bowl last year. He's gone. He's done for not the whole season, but for this week, definitely. The Ravens are going to be able to run the ball. When they run the ball, their offense clicks. Lamar doesn't have to do everything. This three-point line seems way too low, and that's before you get into the problems that the Bengals have had in general offensively. I agree with you. They got right, but it doesn't. You weren't watching that team on last Thursday night and thinking that this was the offense that took down the Kansas City Chiefs juggernaut. It felt like a good team beating a shorthanded good team which is what good teams should do, but the Ravens are anything but shorthanded. They're loaded up. They have everybody important. And Lamar Jackson, even with that tough loss, even with that fourth down interception that ultimately cost Baltimore the game, he is still rocking as one of the leading MVP candidates. I don't think this Bengals defense has enough, and I certainly don't think that the offense is going to give Joe Burrow enough time to really operate. This three-point line almost seems like a trap. It's so low. But I love it. Another one I love, going back to the old watering hole, the Detroit Lions. Yes. Three-point underdogs visiting the Patriots in Foxborough. Now I will get ahead of this. Last week we went a little bit too far into the deep end, picking the Lions as six-and-a-half-point favorites 
I at least knew it at the time. It was a little shaky. But this week, the Lions are back as underdogs. That's when they're at their best in terms of covering the spread. I don't understand at all how the Patriots are three-point favorites after what we saw last week. They did put up a great fight against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. They are still starting either their number two or number three quarterback in all likelihood. Mac Jones can make all the noise he wants and tell all of his teammates not to count him out. The guy still has a high ankle sprain, and it's still going to be at least another week or two before him being out there is actually helpful instead of detrimental to the team. The Bailey, Zap, Brian Hoyer combination, I don't get how that inspires a three-point favorite for Vegas at all. This feels like a reputation line. This feels like the Lions of all teams, the Detroit Lions, going into Bill Belichick's den. There's no chance they could win. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. The Lions, obviously, 45-point explosion, electric offense, and that was without DeAndre Swift or DJ Chark or Amon Ross, St. Brown, three very important guys for that offense. Swift doesn't sound like he'll be back this week, but the other two guys probably will be. The Patriots are not very equipped to take advantage of the various deficiencies that the Lions have on the defensive side of the ball, whereas the Lions are very equipped to take advantage of where the Patriots are weakest, which is the run game. They have a good defensive line, but they have terrible, terrible linebackers. As soon as Jamal Williams gets to the second level, he's going to dominate. I think that the Lions are going to win this game. I think it's an upset in Foxborough, and I think Jared Goff is going to earn a little bit more respect. Ah, boy. Um, the Lions didn't stop the Seahawks once on Sunday. Dan Campbell's big plan is to, quote, shuffle some guys around, which sounds like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. This defense is historically bad the good news there is good news there is light at the end of the tunnel the offense is historically great no team through four games has scored 140 points and given up 140 points in nfl history except these detroit lions so using that theory can the patriots win a shootout against the lions it's tough to see now i watched a lot of bailey zappy let me tell you, Western Kentucky, they played Michigan State last year. I remember watching them in the bowl game. Anytime a guy throws for 62 touchdowns in a single college football year, you're like, okay, this guy, I'm curious to see what this guy's got and how it's going to translate to the next level. And I think that he was good going 10 for 15 for 99 yards. I think that Detroit establishes the run, and I do think that they get past the 30-point threshold, and I do think that Jared Goff is playing better than Matthew Stafford right now. Kind of weird, but true. Three points, I'll take it. I think this one's very dicey. What the Lions did to me last week really, really hurt, and it feels like it's going to go one of two ways right here. The wheels are going to completely fall off or they're going to circle the wagons like the Buffalo Bills and Chris Berman's mind and come out and save the season, at least keep it more intriguing. The Patriots have been really unimpressive. And I think that what happened in Green Bay was kind of weird. I know that Simmons was talking about how he likes his team and that he saw a lot out of them. I saw a Green Bay team that Aaron Rodgers and those wide receivers are still not gelling. I saw it vintage Belichick and a great coaching performance, a game he's going to get up for. Like you wonder if he enjoyed those Super Bowls as much as he would have enjoyed winning on the road with his third string quarterback against Aaron Rodgers. 
I think that he kind of painted a masterpiece last week, and I'm not so sure that he can do the same thing as the favorites. Uh, once you see some tape on Bailey Zappi, that will help also too. Like the first time a quarterback comes into a game and you're not familiar with their body of work, it can be a little bit tougher to game plan about how to stop them. The Lions have had that. They will have an increased focus on their defense. I'm with you. I'm reluctantly with you. I think we get a few nice bounces of the ball, maybe an interception, and the Lions went outright. I'm sorry to say that. We should do something for this game, though. I mean, just two guys who really don't care for their teams at all, watching it and getting pissed. Sounds like great content. I'm going to go ahead and I'm putting on the editorial calendar right now. The number two pick for me. How about them Cowboys? America's team. God, it feels good to be patriotic again. Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott, that is the question. I know that it's a topic that's been bouncing around the walls down at Dude Perfect headquarters all week as Cooper Rush, you know what he does? He wins football games. That's what people from Lansing do. There was another athlete from Lansing. His name was Magic Johnson. Ever heard of him? Central Michigan, football factory. The Cowboys are good, and that's great news because Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith get to act the fool God, did you happen to catch the Rams game last night? Uh, do they look like four and a half point favorites? I don't think so, dog. Stafford, what happened? These passes were so bad, like there's an arm strength issue. But that's not as bad as the accuracy. San Francisco dropped like five would-be picks that were awful throws. Dallas has played good defense to this point. Micah Parsons is a Swiss army knife. If the Swiss believed in violent warfare, I like the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys big on the road. I think that they're going to keep it going. I think the Cowboys are a better football team than the Rams. Even with Cooper Rush at quarterback, the Rams, we kind of saw the handwriting on the wall to this point. They were going to sleepwalk early. Maybe they'll get it back together in time. For a playoff run, I'm not counting out Stafford. He seems to play better when his back is completely against the wall. Anyway, it's not quite up there yet. He's still got some wiggle room. He's not doing a wall sit quite yet. Give me the Cowboys big and a nice, easy, breezy victory. Sprinkle something on the money line as well. And then enjoy the content as I hate to say it, dude, but I like this Cowboys team. I'm sorry. They're a guilty pleasure, but if they keep winning football games, I kind of want to be on the bandwagon. We saw the problems with the Rams offense in week one. We all assumed it was a fluke. It was a Super Bowl hangover. It was against a very good Bills defense. The three weeks afterwards have proven that is not the case. Whatever the issues are with this offense, whether it's you know, letting Matthew Stafford take a couple weeks off to get that elbow back up to strength, or whether it's simply scheming up plays for anybody not named Cooper Cup or committing to the run game again in a way that McVay has never really been able to do in his career. These are not issues that you fix in one week of meetings. These are issues that they have to work through over the course of the next couple of months and I do not see them suddenly waking up this upcoming Sunday against the Cowboys, a pretty opportunistic, if not decent, Cowboys defense and deciding that they're going to play good football. We have four games to suggest that they are capable of playing good football for very, very short stretches of time, but nothing even close to resembling a full game's worth of it. The Cowboys are just rolling right now. 
Cowboys have everything going. They have everybody's behind Cooper Rush. Prescott definitely isn't playing this week, Jerry Jones said on Tuesday morning. They just, they're behind him. The defense is playing well. The offense is clicking. And, you know, this is, this feels like a quality underdog pick. I do not see this Rams defense doing a lot, even against a backup quarterback, which goes to show how lowly we think of them at this point. I mean, they've played Jimmy G a thousand times the last three years. They know exactly what Jimmy G does and does not do well. And they were still unable to stop him. And while that Debo Samuel touchdown might have been a little bit of a fluke because if Jimmy throws that pass on target, then that is an interception, pick six, game changer. Five guys didn't tackle Debo Samuel. Jalen Ramsey blew a touchdown saving tackle. He's the superstar of that defense along with Aaron Donald. I just don't, the Rams just don't have it right now. Whatever you might, they could definitely could have it. Like you said, Stafford does play well when it's do or die. But Stafford also, and you know this just better than I do. He gets uh, he gets tunnel vision when things aren't going well. He zeroes in on his number one guy. That's why Calvin Johnson retired early. He's going to send Cooper Cup to a similar early grave if he keeps this up. I just don't like the Rams. I don't like the Rams at all. Four and a half is a very generous line. If the Rams pull this out by a last-second field goal, that's still a cover. I love this pick. Hey, it's Vibes Guy here. I just wanted to chime in. Did you see the Rams fighting each other on the sideline last night? Does that look like a healthy team? No, man. The vibes are totally off. You can't bet the Rams. My number one pick of the week, and this is one that I'm pretty surprised at the line for, I think that the Seahawks, as five-and-a-half-point underdogs, at New Orleans against the Saints is a very, very enticing pick indeed. The Saints did not look like five-and-a-half-point favorites against the Vikings. Now, you could say that's because Andy Dalton was starting or that they were in London. Well, Andy Dalton might start next week. We don't really know. Alvin Kamara was out. He's been banged up to start the season when he was on the field. He wasn't really that good. Trust me, I know. I am on several fantasy teams. Intense disappointment on that front. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, you know, I had natural to assume that that offense is going to come back down to earth after scoring 48 points against the Lions last week. And natural to think that their defense is not exactly up to the task of stopping anybody after giving up 45 points to the Lions last week. But I think that Geno Smith and that offensive unit has proven that they are, on their bad weeks, competent. They're not going to explode again. They're not going to put up a 30-burger or a 40-burger. I have them scoring 20 points here. But they are not going to completely roll over and be dead in the water for four straight quarters. The Saints, on the other hand, are entirely capable of having something like that happen, even against a bad Seahawks defense. They've been very inconsistent. The only guy who's shown up every week has been Chris Olave, who has been fantastic. Love him. He's been great. But otherwise, I mean, what is, what, 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 what is there to like about the Saints? I don't see anything there really is to like. They're still figuring out who they are under Dennis Allen after Sean Payton took over. That's a process. That's understandable. Home cooking, you see why they're favorites, but five and a half points is a lot, a lot of points. And I really think that the Seahawks have it in them to cover, maybe even beat the Saints. I think that there's a lot of upset potential here but I do not foresee this being a big Saints win in any universe. They have they struggle to produce big plays, whether it's Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton under center. 
The Seahawks are not a great team, but I think they are good enough and they are definitely good enough to cover five and a half on the road. I'm not so sure what I saw on Sunday because yes, the Lions defense is really bad, but Geno Smith looked really, really good. And more than that, the game plan looked awesome. Like if Geno Smith is going to start using his legs, like in a way that he never really did when he was in his prime, that opens so much up for them. If they're going to establish the run with a shard penny. And then also we can't forget Kenneth Walker coming back. It's only a matter until he breaks out and has his big game that announces his arrival in the NFL. I like the Seahawks. If you were to give me a long shot playoff team right now, it might be Seattle because I thought that the offense was good and I didn't think it was a fluke. And I certainly like it better than the Saints offense right now, especially if Kamara doesn't play, especially with the concerns at quarterback. It's great to see Andy Dalton, who has gotten hotter. Have you noticed that when Andy Dalton got in the league, he was kind of like this average looking dude. He's looking really good now, which is awesome for him. It's cool to see. Yeah, that scruff really works for him. He's got the right face shape for it. So that's a positive. He's got that going for him, which is nice. New Orleans has been a really big disappointment to me because they were supposed to win games based on their defense and Jameis Winston doing just enough. And I think that we've really seen the folly of that game plan around the NFL. The Saints feel to me more like a Steelers team or more like a Patriots team than they do a viable contender. And we're at a point now where the body of work is starting to get pretty convincing if we're through five weeks and they can't generate anything on offense then it doesn't really matter if they have a top 10 defense it really doesn't unless that defense is scoring points and shutting down the league's best offenses tight ends good for the seahawks dk metcalf uh when he's not pooping himself is wonderful i like seattle so much here it's a line that scares me because it seems to me like one of the more obvious picks another thing to consider yes there is that travel going on, but it's not, you're not flying back from the West coast to the, to Detroit. You're flying down with the knowledge that you just went and took care of business. So you have the fresh in your mind, fresh in your mind is that you've just done this business trip before. Right. And this is another business trip. So I like Seattle. I'm going to say Seattle playoffs, uh, future bet, um, get on it now because I think they're going to be three and two come Monday. My number one pick of the week is a bit of a shocker. I'm going to do it though, because we need the content. I'm taking the Cardinals getting five and a half points at home, which is a lot of points at home, a tremendous amount of points at home against those undefeated fly Eagles fly. Kyler Murray, man, he's going to be up for this one. He's playing another young explosive quarterback. Who's had success He's so mercurial that it's tough to trust him week to week, but we already know what he can be like in the open field. And I believe that he's a player that rises to challenges and falls to expectations. And this is the biggest challenge he's faced this year. The backs are kind of against the wall. I thought that the Cardinals did some good things last week and looked like a complete team. The Eagles are riding high. They're getting a lot of press. They've been very impressive to this point. They've went to Detroit, beating Detroit on the road is it is what it is. Um, and then they've kind of beat up on some bad teams in the interim. That Minnesota win was good. And then they beat up on some lesser teams. This will be the first big road 
test for them. And they're traveling a great distance and they're playing in a marquee spot where one team really needs to win to solidify its playoff hopes. And I think that the Eagles finally take their foot off the gas here in a big 12 type scoring array. Give me the Cardinals five and a half points. I like them to win in overtime. In what world is trusting Kyler Murray and the brain trust of one Cliff Kingsbury ever a bad idea? I ask you that, Liam. I will choose not to answer that because we need to be favorable to the Cardinals for the purpose of the picks. Um, I will. Yeah, I think Cliff Kingsbury is not a good coach, and I think he probably should be fired sooner rather than later in order to preserve Kyler Murray's career. However, with that said, five and a half points is a huge line for a home team. And the Eagles are definitely a great team. They are not an overwhelmingly dominant squad. Like you said, they've beat up on some lesser competition, but those wins have not been without a doubt with the exception of their win over the commanders. And it seems like everybody's beating them without a doubt this year. So there's not really much to say. They fell behind early against Jacksonville. They get points for battling back and close slamming the door shut at the end. I, this is not about the Eagles as much as it is the Cardinals and a big line. Kyler Murray gets it done. I think that Panthers game is going to end up being important in the long run of the Cardinals season because good teams have these get right games against bad teams. The Panthers are a like shockingly terrible team. I think everybody thought they were bad, but this is a different level. And the Cardinals were not perfect in that win, but they pretty much went wire to wire without a doubt and won the game that they should have won. They did some good stuff on offense. Their defense came together. I think that they are going to be up for a challenge against the only unbeaten team in the NFL. I think that they are ready to test themselves against one of the best teams in the NFC. And I think overwhelmingly, over, uh, over all of that, the Eagles simply have to have one of these uh, come-back-down-to-earth games. And I think that that's this week. They've been great. Everything has been clicking. Jalen Hurts is not perfect, nor is anybody else on that Eagles team. There's going to be a week where things go wrong and they're playing too good of a team to cover for it. Things went very wrong against Jacksonville, but that the Jaguars aren't ready yet to really take advantage of that sort of thing. I think the Cardinals will smell blood in the water early. And I've, am iffy on the upset pick as you said but i do think that this is going to be a much closer game than five and a half points suggest especially given that it's in arizona and i will also say for my final act that i did find somebody higher than you on the seahawks and geno smith i got a push notification from the athletic wondering if geno smith could win mvp while we were recording this podcast so you need to up your take game is what I think. What does MVP stand for? <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.